the Koi Gig Pod. But we're too quick to drop off 3v1. That's been a problem that we actually stopped against Scotland because Neve Fahey stepped in to stop Caroline Weir. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. And you're welcome back to Off The Ball here on News Talk. John Duggan sitting in for Joe Malloy. We're going to talk rugby between now and uh, five o'clock. Reflecting on yesterday's 13 points to 10 win for the Irish team over Australia. With the former Munster and Ireland forward Fiona Hayes and the rugby rider of the Irish independent Keen Tracy Keane is in studio with us. How is the former Keane? All good, John. You? Not too bad, thank you. And uh, we'll keep an eye on Qatar Ecuador goalless at the moment with that goal ruled out. And Fiona, how's the form for you? I'm good. I'm good, John. Not too bad. Yeah, and uh, you can listen to us on News Talk across the country, but also watch us on uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, the OTB Sports app, and on Twitter if you're watching us digitally or socially. Um, Fiona, are you glass half full or glass half empty about what you saw last night? Because I think the the general consensus was it wasn't the best game of rugby we've ever seen, but Ireland showed a bit of character to dig it out and maybe that'll stand to them. Yeah, I think, I think, look, I was watching the game. I watched it a couple of times and um, it probably wasn't the best rugby. Not a lot of uh, rugby was played inside each uh, 22. It was kind of a lot of kicking, a lot of ball in the middle of field. But look, I was very, very happy watching Ireland's defence. I thought they were absolutely immense at times, especially near the end of the game. Um, It's been a long three tests and to be able to grind out that victory. I mean, there was not like there wasn't really much pressure on Australia. I know they had their losses. But like Ireland are ranked number one. So they were coming over. Probably not a lot of people thought they would win the game, but they really, really physically put it up to Ireland. And it just shows character that this team has to be able to grind out and uh, win those big games, you know. And it was like 13 minutes before kickoff. There was a, a change as well with Crowley coming in. So I think the team really showed character and showed why they are at that number one spot. Their confidence, I think, got them over the line in the end as well. You got a text from Sean and Westport earlier on when you were discussing it on the pay-per-view with Roy and with uh, Tommy and this is the text seriously lads what do you want from Ireland there was going to be a backlash from Australia didn't let Ireland play their own game they kept the ball and mounted a heavy tack on Irish defence which stood up to the job the lads looked a little tired in fairness remember when you're number one everybody wants to knock you down is there a psychology to that Fiona in that Ireland generally against the bigger teams are underdogs we have been for the last well for, for decades really but now we're in a position where we go down we win a series in New Zealand we beat the world champions earlier this month we're there to be shot at is there a psychology as a player that maybe feeds into then or more tentative performance yeah I think so and I think look you know they're building with each game I know Farrell and the lads constantly come out and say they, they're literally focusing on each game as they go forward they're not looking at the World Cup they're looking at these three games and then they look at the Six Nations there's definitely a, a psychology there you know everyone is coming to you and especially in your own backyard teams are going to come and they want to, to win and beat the best the number one ranked team in the world so I think as they get these wins I can see the players are confident they're buying into what I Farland, the coaching team are saying, and they're not—they're not taking this overhype. They don't—they're not um, talking about themselves. They're literally talking about game plans going into the game. And we saw with Andy Farrell, you know, he's made a few changes. I think what really will stand up to this team and what will stand up to the coaching staff after these three games is to—is to be able to see the depth chart. I think it's very, very clear now um, that. 
players are able to step into different roles and we saw Jimmy O'Brien coming in centre when we needed but I think that's the confidence of the team and I think the coaching staff have built confidence and these wins have made these players be able to go in and a lot of pressure taken off him you could see the forward pack took a massive pressure off Crowley at times in the game yesterday you know he controlled it well but I, but I think it's all credit they, they seem to have a kind of family mentality and they're all looking out for each other and I think you know that is going to stand to them especially going into these uh, Six Nations games and then a World Cup Johnny Sexton was ruled out before the match started uh, Kian, how glaring was his absence for you? Uh, massive um, I thought Jack Crowley did did well all things considered I mean Johnny Sexton is up for World Party Year tonight in Monaco it, it's a reminder Is he likely to win it by the way? I don't think so No I think another Irish player um, Josh van der Fleer? I think so yeah Right that would be my, my my feeling would be that he would be a very worthy winner. Um, Are there tea leaves around that? How do you mean? Are there, you know, is is, is there a, yeah, you know, there might be a feeling that Messi or Ronaldo is going to win it this year. You got a feeling, you know, do you get me? Well, I just think Josh van der Fleer has been the most consistent player right. across the... There's only four in the hunt, isn't there? There's only four in the hunt and the four that are in the hunt, you could argue that maybe a couple of them maybe shouldn't be there and okay. another couple of there. Like, I mean, someone like Ardy Surveya is a, a pretty glaring omission to me. So I think of the four players that are there, Josh van der Fleer has been the most consistent. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, win the award later tonight, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, like, it, it, my point of that to bring that up was it's a reminder of how good Johnny Sexton is at 37 and I think as well as Ireland have performed this year when Johnny Sexton hasn't been there there's been a noticeable drop and I don't necessarily think that's a, a reflection of Jack Crowley whatsoever I mean making his first test start uh, so late in the day to come in and you have to remember as well um, he's only been in the squad for a couple of weeks like Andy Farrell has done a really good job I think over the last couple of years a guy like Jimmy O'Brien wasn't like parachuted in over the summer he'd already been in Ireland camps building up and slowly but surely you get to know how things work that hasn't been the case for Jack Crowley because he's been third choice um out half at Munster he started the month on the bench for the Ireland A team and he finishes it as the starting 10 so it's been a remarkable rise and Fiona's right like Australia made it so scrappy the platform wasn't really there to to play off but at the same time similarly I think to jo- to Joey Carberry against Fiji last weekend you just can't get away from the fact that when Johnny Sexton isn't there Ireland's attack doesn't fire the same and that is like a, a worry it's been a worry for the last few years and I don't see that changing from now until the World Cup Um I think it, massive experience for Jack Crowley and no doubt he'll be all the better for it. He didn't do anything wrong necessarily by any means, but it's just very difficult to step into a guy like Johnny Sexton's shoes and, and run the show. So um, I, it's still Ireland's biggest biggest issue going forward. And it's a reflection as well on how good Johnny Sexton has been. So if you think back to the year that was, John, they lost, Ireland lost in Paris. Johnny Sexton wasn't playing. Joey Carberry actually played quite well that night, um, but Johnny Sexton wasn't there. The only game they lost in the six Nations cost them a Six Nations title and a Grand Slam you go on to the summer they lost the first test in New Zealand Johnny Sexton came off uh, just after half time I think it was and Ireland fell apart they lost the game Johnny Sexton was fit for the second and third test they won the series that's not a coincidence you look last week he didn't play against Fiji a lot of dis- different circumstances around that early kickoff. lots of changes to the team but the attack didn't fire uh, against Fiji last weekend in fact Fiji's attack looked far better and it was the same again yesterday against Australia uh, Fiona's right to highlight the defence the defence was really good for the most most part apart from the try that they conceded um, but attacking wise there's just no doubt that Ireland are not the same team when Johnny Sexton is there and I think overall 
I, I don't think the attack has moved on uh, from the summer and that was the big downfall in 2019 after 2018 when you remember like Ireland, I don't know did Ireland just get a bit complacent their attack was firing under Joe Schmidt and teams had figured them out and we've seen elements of it I thought the try against the Springboks on transition was exceptional but by and large we haven't really seen Ireland's attack fire in these three games and that maybe it's a, if you want to take the glass half full approach it's a good place to be because no one is getting ahead of themselves going into next year which may, maybe people did in 20, 2018 but I think there's a lot to work on because teams are studying Ireland more than ever now because they're, they've been so good in attack so um it's about adding more strings, I think, to their bow. And that is the biggest challenge, I think, for my cat as, as attack coaches, finding new ways to add layers to what is already um, working well, I think. So how does Johnny Sexton manage himself over the next year, Fiona? And how do Arna manage him? Yeah, it's it's a tough one. Um, like I'm sure Johnny feels uh, like a young man, but you have to kind of look at his his injury profile and his age, and and just like everyone knows how important he is, every other team knows how he, he how important he is to this uh, Irish squad. So I think it's like they have seemed to be managing him really, really well. To be honest with you, in the last couple of years, because he's playing the big games for Leinster, um, he he's injury free, bar a couple of you know hits or concussions or whatever that he that he's got. But I think he seems to be doing really really well he's he's performing in the big games he he's getting his rest um and he, he's there he's up at camp and he seems to be bringing these guys these these other tens that are, are trying to take our ears to the throne I suppose he's teaching them what to do and it's just he's so important I think that they they probably just going in it's another added year he, he I was talking to someone who was working up in the Aviva you know just um after that uh, South African game and they said he just absolutely looked shattered his body was broken he was walking off the pitch he was he was targeted he's going to be targeted every ten is targeted with a few late hits so they're really going to have to really going to have to protect him and I suppose it's with the Six Nations we need to get someone in there be it Joey Carberry whoever's fit whoever's there they need to start a couple of the big games maybe against England and France I know you want to go out and win a Six Nations but I also think it'll be good if they can get those big games under their belt going in and Johnny gets to rest he can come back in maybe for an Italy game or, or for another Wales Scotland game but I do think it's important that at the Six Nations that he's not starting all these games and same with Leinster I mean they're going to need him in the big Heineken Cup games so it's just about managing the time Just this concept of teams figuring Ireland out and we were really shell-shocked in 2019 when England came to Dublin and beat us and it's almost like the year was never the same after that Uh, what are the things that we need to do to prevent us from having another dip like that we can keep the momentum going heading towards France next year so it's just not standing still, which right. Ireland were probably guilty of in in 2019. I mean, I'm sure people on the inside wouldn't wouldn't agree, particularly Joe Schmidt. But I think it just got a little bit. Players maybe got complacent in terms of you know being assured of their starting places. But in terms of the game plan, yeah, even if you go back to the A game and you look at what the All Blacks 15 did, they just had Ireland sussed out. And I know it wasn't Ireland's first team, but they were the A team were playing the same system, so. When you become the number one ranked team in the world, you know, we've kind of touched on it. Everyone is there to, to take you down. I actually remember in 2018 when Ireland beat the All Blacks, Graham, or not Graham Henry, Steve Hansen came out with a comment that Ireland are now the hunter for the hunted. So it's a bit it's a bit similar now, but a lot of the same faces are involved. Even someone like Andy Farrell was there in 2018 going into 2019, which is hugely beneficial. So. Farrell has had a front row seat for what went wrong then. So this is this was always the beauty of the 
the, the planning, the, the forward planning that the IRFU had done. You know, a lot of people, when Andy Farrell came in, said, you know, it was too close to home. He was too involved. It should have been a fresh start. But this is actually the upside of it. He has seen what went wrong in 2019 and he's got different assistants around him now. So you'd imagine that they won't be guilty of making the same mistakes twice. But like I said, when teams are just analysing Ireland to death now and... I, like I was watching the game and I was watching it back uh, this morning and I was really glad I had the fast forward button actually because uh, it was so stop start uh, being in the stadium last night but um, I was just wondering like where Ireland I, I don't know if it's true but I was kind of talking myself into the, the possibility that they were maybe holding a couple of things back but then I'm like so, still so far away from the World Cup but in terms of getting into like their play 1-3-2-2 attacking system and we just we saw it at the start of the second half, like Tyg Furlong getting on the ball and playing the link passes out the back. But over the course of the three games, we haven't seen a huge amount of it, um, kind of bits and pieces. And if you go back to how well they did in the summer, it was just hugely, hugely evident that that's, that that was the comfort in their shape. So I don't know if that's down to Ireland maybe like trying to tweak it so that they don't get figured out ahead of the World Cup, or if it's down to opposition teams have done their homework so much now that they figured out how to shut that down. Now a huge part of that was the breakdown which became an absolute mess and the w- one of the cornerstones of the successful year that was in Andy Farrell's era you'd have to say is kind of you know the need for speed and you know for the tempo game the tempo yeah. under two second rocks um, Gibson Park's a huge um, part of that but Australia came to make it an absolute mess and that's what opposition teams are going to do because if you slow Ireland down and you could see it they were a bit short in ideas so the breakdown is going to become is, is hugely important but it's how Ireland negates the, the teams that are going out to spoil their ball at the breakdown because we saw it last night when the ball is slow like Gibson Park I actually thought struggled um, really badly last night at, at times now Fiona kind of touching it I think a lot of that was him maybe taking extra responsibility on himself because he had a rookie out half outside of him but I think at times he was maybe guilty of doing that um, a bit too often and you look at the just before half time he put his foot in touch when Ireland really should have been scoring and um to, to, to touch on that like incident I thought the the kind of the, the before and after half time the championship minutes if, if you want to, to call it that I thought Ireland got very very lucky that their game management wasn't better there because um, they won a penalty that um, they almost scored from Dan Sheehan off the back of a mall which Gibson Park subsequently put his foot in touch but Ireland really should have been going for a scrum there because if they had called for the scrum Australia would have had to go down to 13 men because they'd already lost their starting hooker who went off uh, with a head injury and then their replacement uh, hooker went off uh, with a yellow card so uh, it's that strange quirk in the law that we saw earlier this year in the Six Nations uh, Italy, against yeah. Italy but it also happened in New Zealand in the second test um, the All Blacks had to go down to 13 so I thought that was poor game management by the players it's a, it's a strange quirk and when it happened against Italy you know myself included everyone was trying to get out the, the law book and you know figure out what was going on but Ireland can't say that they haven't been warned and I thought you could see John Fogarty, the Ireland scrum coach, was really trying to get the message on to take the scrum, take the scrum, because it was only on the 22, a really good attacking position. And with Australia down two players, you'd imagine Ireland would have scored. So that didn't happen. They didn't score. So that's a huge win for Australia. And then you look at what happened after half time. They do get the, the scrum and they end up going down the short side. And Mac Hansen goes into touch twice in the space of a minute when you'd imagine, why don't they open up the space at the other side when Australia are down two players? So that, that to me was kind of the, the muddled nature I think of their attack um, 
I'm not sure who was calling the shots to go down the short side twice but to me that was a really really poor error because you know Fiona will notice as well like from her coaching that you know Fiona you're always taught to use the touchline aren't you as an extra defender and if you're down two players you use that touchline as an extra defender even more so so for Mac Hansen to have gone into touch once was bad but then to have done it twice in the space of a minute I just thought it was really really poor now albeit I know he very nearly kept in touch for, for the second occasion but to me I don't know what you think Fiona but if you open up the the opposite side of the pitch there surely has to be space out wide there yeah, 100%. And like, to be fair, going down that blind, it, it was kind of man on. And as you said, you had that touchline as the extra defender and it was just so much space on the left-hand side. I was thinking the exact same thing. Why aren't they attacking over there? Obviously, if you see it once, that's fair enough. But the, the second time, I just didn't understand that because obviously, you know, maybe they're taking the pressure off Crowley by attacking that or, or Gibson Park. But even if you had a, a quick phase with a, an eight running at your 10, you're probably taking out another quick, de- a few defenders as well, which will create so much space on that left hand side it's very easy to say but I just don't think that that happens with Johnny Sexton's on the pitch and right. like, we've no like proof of that but I just don't think a basic error and to make two of them in the space of a minute happens when you have a guy like Johnny Sexton calling shots because to me it was just blatantly obvious just on that is there I know the, the Six Nations is so important financially for the RFU is there a pressure uh in any way on the Ireland coaching setup to play your best team all the time in the Six Nations even though there's a World Cup <laughs> year and uh, Fiona's making the, the I would say the decent argument that like we have to have options here at number 10 we do but like if you look at the month that was Johnny Sexton only played one game now obviously that a lot of that was down to circumstance but Joey Carberry started a game and Jack Crowley started a game and still we're here talking about neither of them really took their opportunity to say you know the gap is closing here to me the gap is getting bigger if anything so um, like it's it's fair enough but like come the Six Nations next year the time for experimentation is really over because you can't go into a World Cup the, okay they'll have three World, World Cup warm-up games against Italy uh, England and Samoa but they're they're not proper tests because you're certainly not going to be showing your full hand in those games. So the Six Nations is really about fine-tuning all these aspects. And I think that this month has actually been pretty damaging for a lot of guys Right. Um, uh, for, in terms of the squad depth. I just don't think many people have put their hand up. Um, so you see you see the 15 and then you see a bit of a gap to you? 100%, yeah. Like, I, and we saw that... A lot of players that came on last night, you, what, you, Joe McCarthy making mm. his debut, Craig Casey came on. Uh, obviously, Ross Byrne was the, the hero of the hour. Uh, but you see, uh, it's, it's a chicken and egg because they need the time, they need that white heat of, of battle. But if 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 we don't feel they're ready, they're not going to get the chance. And this is it. I, I think we've seen a shift in Andy Farrell's kind of public demeanour as well over the last few weeks. That he's worked so hard to create a really enjoyable and relaxed environment, and you know the players clearly buy into it. But we've seen more of his ruthless side in terms of his selection over the last couple of weeks. And coming home from New Zealand, when you look at the two Maori games, particularly how well they did in the second Maori game, it was really good. And you're coming back on. There's a lot of players here going to put pressure on for November. And the reason they added the two Maori games to an already really difficult uh, series was to learn about these guys and that's exactly why they added the All Blacks uh, 15 game for the for the Ireland A team and that game to me was damaging for, for a lot of guys you look at someone like Gavin Coombs was, his, has been bombed out of the squad entirely has been, was sent back to Munster and a lot of people were saying oh yeah he's gone back but he gets to play against you know in that South Africa game at Porky Creeve but he wasn't called back up to the, the Ireland squad for the Australia game this week that is ruthless from, from Andy Farrell and that's sending out a message to guys that you know if you get your opportunity you have to stand up and take it like, like Dave Hefferton is another guy who 
featured in the on the New Zealand tour didn't quite have his best game in that A game but he hasn't been seen since either so um, to me guys have missed your opportunity because there's no point in going oh come to Six Nations you know Andy Farrell is going to make changes you might see a couple for Italy but like I said it's going to be full noise for the, the rest of the games in my mind because you have to fine tune the elements and I think that that when, when Andy Farrell reflects on the month as a whole I think one of the disappointing aspects of it was that he's not coming away with more selection headaches for sure like you can rattle off a couple of players Jimmy O'Brien has probably been the real success of the month um, he's played the last three games in three different positions winning his first three caps which is which is phenomenal really and there's a guy who his versatility you'd imagine will be nailed on to make a World Cup squad Jack Crowley will be hugely beneficial for, for getting a taste for it. a guy like Nick Timoney played well against Fiji and Joe McCarthy came off the bench last night and did well but I think if Andy Farrell was being honest, he would have much rather have a lot more headaches going into the Six Nations because in my mind, the, the, the Ireland team picks itself now the, the 23 picks itself and if you want to go further than that I think by and large the World Cup squad nearly picks itself like 33 it'll be a 33 man squad and I think 30, 31 of those players are already picked and I don't see now form and injuries can change stuff but um, I think he would much rather a lot more headaches than he has. Fiona, do you agree with what Kean's saying there? Um, I don't know. I think, look, like obviously you would have liked the Coombe situation. I, I, I personally thought was harsh on him. I know obviously the All Blacks game. Now I'm not at the training camp, so I don't know how he was training. I, um, I thought that he he done well away. You know when he was away with New Zealand in those games. I thought he's been playing when he came back. He obviously had the injury. He came back with Munster. I thought he's had a couple of good games. And it's look as a as a national head coach, maybe you have to be ruthless. But to just send him home after that one performance and and not get him back up to the camp, it's it's it'll probably shoot his confidence a little bit. Now maybe it also might be good with him. Munster have a few big games coming up, so maybe he's done that to try and get them to to perform a bit better and and give him more of a headache when it comes to Six Nations time. I thought that a lot of the guys put their hand up. I thought McCluskey, I thought Casey came on off the bench and sped up the game. You talked it like, I know the Aussies probably when it got to that time of the game, they weren't slowing. They were probably more tired. They weren't slowing the ball down at the breakdown as much. I thought Casey came on and added a bit of something. You obviously have Murray. I I, I really would be happy with the depth. I thought Balakoon, I know Jimmy O'Brien obviously was rewarded, but I thought Balakoon had a, had a good shift as well when he was playing. So I, I, I think he's kind of building nicely. Obviously, the guys that are nailed on are nailed on. But if there's any type of injury, I wouldn't in, in any position at the minute. Obviously, we've talked about sex and, and we know the situation there, but anywhere else across the park, I wouldn't be overly worried. I think the guys, I think you have good Tim and E with someone who had, who had a good stint to back row as well. There are guys putting their hand up. You McCluskey, Aki, who was dropped or, or obviously was out over the card, came in then and made an impact. So I do think that he's seen a lot. He, he's moving guys around. Obviously, guys have put their hand up completely. A lot of rugby has to be played in the next year so look they're they're going to go back and they'll get a chance to to obviously come into a bit more form but but I think three wins I think he'll be happy with what he saw a Catarnial Ecuador won in the World Cup Enter Valencia from the penalty spot text in here in 53106 Fiona Ross Byrne ahead of Crowley or Carberry I don't think so 
Um, I think he'll probably stick. I think Carberry is, you know, he's he's stuck with Carberry. Obviously, he's his injury profile. Um, if they can keep and fit, I I would imagine that they're that he will be the one that will be involved in next year's Six Nations. And I think Crowley maybe is 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 coming in at the back of that. He seems to be very impressed. There's a lot of talk about the players about his attitude. Um, called in 13 minutes before the game and to go out and put on a performance like that at 22 years of age. Um, obviously there was errors. You know, he took the ball to the game line. Of couple of times popped a few passes that he shouldn't his kicking game probably wasn't great but the thing that really kind of stuck with me was when he made an error he kind of took a deep breath and you would see he, he was back to controlling the game again I thought he had you know he really he really just went out there and played his game hadn't the space we'd like to see him in because we know he's electric when he gets that space but it just wasn't that type of the game I think Grassburn fair play coming on making that big kick it, it was absolutely uh, amazing, but I think Byrne would have been up there if he's in Andy Farrell's thoughts um, ahead of Crowley. You know, to bring someone like Crowley in and give him that chance, I think he's looking at youth. Our rugby and off the ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. We're going to take a break here. Key and Tracy of the Irish Independent and the former Grand Slam winner, Fiona Hayes. Any questions, any opinions, any comments on what you've seen, not only last night against Australia, but also this month in the uh, November series? Get them into us at 53106 at a cost of 30 cents. We're back in a moment. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball here on News Talk. John Duggan sitting in for John Malloy today until seven. We're continuing our review of Ireland's win over Australia with the former Munster and Ireland forward Fiona Hayes and the Irish independent rugby writer Keen Tracy. Fiona, just a question I have on teams figuring Ireland out and slowing the ball down and um, being more physical and disrupting the breakdown, disrupting the tempo. Is that something that we can easily counteract that uh, ability of other countries that obviously with really skilled coaching teams to frustrate us? How can we get around them trying to put us in a straitjacket in that regard. You know what, John? Something that's kind of been sticking out of me um, watching all these games is the different interpretation of the referees of the breakdown. Um, and I think, like I watched that uh, game last night and I, I, as I said, I watched it last night. I was out and I watched it in the bar and I was I was just going mad at, at how the Aussies, there was no tackler released. They were slowing it down for at least a couple of seconds and, and Ben O'Keefe was letting it go and they were lying in the wrong side. They were getting time to roll out. So I, I think player, like teams are going to go out and try and do this, especially because we know what how attacking Ireland can be with fast ball. But I think it's very, very important that... Um, the, that Ireland need to study these referees and see what what way they can what way they can get off them, you know, because I looked at it and some referees are blown up straight away, some aren't. Ireland, obviously, we're, we're clinical in how we attack and we've seen it, you know, we're, we're not the biggest team, but we're we're able to attack and our cleanouts have been quite excellent. You know, the coaching staff have got them getting that kind of two-second ball away, but teams are going to be going out to, to stop that and obviously, and obviously the referee is going to play a huge part in that. So I think as it goes on, and I'm sure they do this anyway, I would imagine Ireland are really going to, especially going into to World Cup because Southern Hemisphere referees in particular, I find, let things go on a lot more at the breakdown. I think they get away with it a bit more over there. So I, I do think we're going to have to look at that area um, going in there because we know teams are going to target that. I think if they can keep their ruck, their clean out focus, their their ball carry, I mean, they're very good at falling on the ball and presenting quick and the ball fight on the ground to get, to get the ball away. So I think they can just focus on that. But I think a lot of focus is going to have to now be on those referees and see how the referee they break down and see what Ireland need to do when they're, when they're going into these games as well. You say we're not the biggest team. Will Skelton was almost like John Olomu when he came on there last <laughs> night. Uh, is that something that we can get around, as it were? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. You know, like, obviously, we've seen it... Um, uh 
you know, in the Six Nations, obviously physicality we struggled with France at, at times. But but I think um, I think when when we look at that South Africa game, we saw how Ireland attacked. It's it if they can speed, you know, they they need to 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 obviously work these guys around the pitch. Um, he Will Skelton obviously came on and got the tail end of the game. But if if you can wear these guys down by moving the ball, you know, not just keeping it in that centre getting it from touchline to touchline, you're moving that desist, that defensive system around and obviously you're creating gaps, but it's also tiring these big guys out because they definitely get a, a lot more tired than the, the smaller guys. So I think Ireland have been really doing that really well. And I, I think when we come up against France in the Six Nations, again at home next year, we'll see exactly you know where we've come on from last year in that regard. 5306 Texter uh, asking us, uh, Kian, how can Jack Carty's exclusion be justified? Yeah, it, it's a it's a fair question. Um, we've kind of touched on it. Like Ross Byrne has pretty much come from nowhere. I think a lot of people were very surprised to see him call up. I'm, I'm not sure why Jack Carty wasn't in there. Um, you kind of thought that Andy Farrell had figured out in his head what his pecking order was, and Jack Carty definitely seemed to be ahead of Ross Byrne. So, and you know, it was a pretty mad week for Ross Byrne. He started the week training in Leinster on Monday. It was only Monday night that he came into the squad. So, um, it'll be interesting to see what you know that does for his future international career. Yeah, Fiona kind of touched on it earlier. I'm not sure it'll... I think everyone has always known that Ross Byrne is a re- reliable goal kicker. Um, that's maybe something Jack Carty isn't, and I don't know that that come into the, the equation. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it did, but um, you think back to Ross Byrne kicking... Um, a, a similar kind of kick, actually, against Ulster in the Champions Cup quarterfinal a few years back he was suffering from cramping and shook it off and kick it so you know that Ross Byrne has that in his locker it's the other aspects of his game that maybe he doesn't and you know since he's last played for Ireland which was in the 2021 Six Nations he's had his younger brother Harry overtake him he's had Kieran Frawley overtake him he's had Jack Crowley overtake him um, so it showed a lot of bottle to, to come on and, and play like that but I suppose if you know just uh, with the, the texter's question if Jack Harty is feeling out, of, out in the cold it just shows how quickly things can change because you look at all the, the injuries that Ireland have a 10 and I still think Jack Jack Harty is in Andy Farrell's thoughts but there's no doubt he's probably slipped down the pecking order for whatever reason uh, we had another texture asking us Fiona uh, why does Doak not get a chance this is Neil Doak Nathan Nathan um, Doak sorry Nathan I was like yeah Neil's long gone um, <laughs> yeah no I think I, I thought he was excellent as well um, you know it, it's hard to, when you're not up at those camps you can't see what these guys are, are doing up there I know um, a lot of people obviously I'm a monster, a monster woman um, people love um, Casey's energy they love his attitude I'm a huge fan of Nathan Doak I think he's uh, he offers a lot but uh, but um, it's the same it's the same with, with Casey down in Munster you know Cooney's kind of starting ahead of Doak I suppose with Ulster in the big games and and Murray's the same down with Casey so I think it is hard to to give to, to get these guys into camp when they're not um the main starters for the province team so that probably has a lot to do with I think Cooney's obviously playing really really good rugby as well but when I watch Doak come onto pitch he really adds a, a massive bit of spark I think he's brilliant himself and Casey are probably quite similar in how in how they move the ball and like to get around the park and and bark orders at the forwards these young guys have a lot of confidence and I definitely think he will be someone that will keep if he keeps getting um, game time with Ulster he will someone that will definitely come into Andy Farrell's thoughts whether it's before this World Cup I don't know yeah uh, Neil Doak's now 50 so uh, <laughs> sorry <laughs> you're doing well <laughs> sorry, sorry Neil um, just in terms of the back row Fiona I suppose that was the one real positive last night like Doris and Van der Fleer were immense 
so good. I think um, I think Van der Fleer made 24 tackles. Doris um, had 21. It was actually, I, I was shocked. I think Peter O'Mahony had only four tackles uh, made. So he was obviously doing his work in other areas of the pitch, but they were just absolutely outstanding. I mean, the the pinnacle of, of Doris for me last night was uh, those 21 phases, Australia holding on to the ball. And he just comes up with a, an absolutely great penalty when Ireland were really under the pump and I think that's what the likes of I know Ty Byrne is in second row but I think that's what the likes of Byrne Doris van der Fleer they'll come up with those penalties five metres out ten metres out when you're under pressure and and on top of that their their skill set we probably didn't see them enough on the ball last night you know van der Fleer defensively was excellent I would have loved to see them more on the ball but it wasn't just it wasn't that type of game but they really fronted up in defence and that's what you want your back rows doing you want them going around on the hunt and and trying to sniff out that loose ball and they dive on everything so we're we're blessed in that department and I thought actually Conan came on and done a really good job as well because obviously I thought Peter Armani maybe was tiring and and obviously the the two other guys were were, were just outstanding I thought to get Conan in there I thought he added to that as well and you you have another few guys as well in the back row were blessed in Ireland at the minute because I've always spoken in the past about I'm a big Jack O'Donoghue fan but when you look at what's ahead of him there's no one you'd pull out to put him in there yeah, just uh, we've spoken, I suppose, Keen about number 10 and Johnny. We've spoken about the attack and possible issues there. We've spoken about other teams' tactics against us and slowing it down. What about the set piece at the moment? Is that in a good spot? Yeah, I think it is. I think the big test was um, in South, against South Africa earlier this month and the fact that, you know, we speak about, you know, Johnny Sexton being out injured and the chances it creates for Jack Crowley and Joey Carberry last week against Fiji. Uh, it's, it's important to remember that Tyke Furlong went off injured at halftime in that South Africa game and Finley Beelham came on and really did well in the scrum against, you know, the Springboks were obviously rolling the bomb squad off the bench. So um, absolutely, the, the scrum has done well and I think Finley Beelham is another who's emerged with huge credit from this window. Um, in terms of the line-out yeah the line-out's been going well I, I didn't think the mall was good uh, last night but the mall has been very good Um you can see Paul O'Connell's stamp is all over that. You think back to Josh van der Fleer, Fleer's try against South Africa. Like that was a that was a, a move that came off the back of a lot of homework because you could see they attacked him down the short side, which um, South Africa had left too narrow. Uh, so yeah, the mall is looking good. The, the lineouts looking good. Um, you still got guys like Ronan Keller and Ian Henderson to come back into the the picture as well. So when you turn, when you, we were talking about depth earlier, you know there there is options, and you know just just on Doris, I think he is. Um, he is a proper Rolls Royce uh, player, you know. I think there's times when you can all you can almost forget that he's only 24. This is his second year playing international rugby, and um, because he's generally an eight out of ten player, I think people just take it for granted a little bit. But he was exceptional last night. Uh, that carry in the build-up to Bundyaki's try when he ran over Bernard Foley. If Will Skelton does that, you know we're all kind of jumping up and down and saying, "Well, well like what a carry! He's an absolute, you know, freakishly strong athlete." But Caden Doris is just—I think he's bringing his game to new levels. I think he showed again last night that his best position by a mile is number eight. You know, he's played a lot at six on the blind side to allow for Jack Conan, who who had a brilliant season last year, was the starting Lions eight. But Caelan Doris is far more effective for me in the, the number eight position. So, and it was interesting, actually, and I do agree with Fiona when I don't think Jack Conan, he's had a really stop start to the se- stop start season and he would probably be the first to admit he hasn't hit the heights that he did last year. But I did think he played well off the bench. But I thought it was interesting that when he came on, they kept Caelan Doris at number eight, uh, particularly at the scrum. So in I think in the past, they would have switched that around and put put, put Doris back on the blind side. So he is, yeah, like he's a proper world-class athlete and he's still only 24, getting better. 
Nick White came back on Fiona last night after a couple of um, head knocks. Um, it, it's a subject that's not gone away. This concussion issue, isn't it? And well, like, we don't know for hundred percent, but like the suspicion was there that he was concussed and really shouldn't be in back on the pitch, should he? No, see, you're almost afraid to even talk about it now. I know there was there was chatter about look, they're obviously assessed by a doctor, and you know, could they could be stumbling because of something else. Yeah. But I think there just needs to be a clear line. I think the the referee. So as far as I know, if the referee says, "Look, it's 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 concussion," that um you don't get that HIA, and if if someone can make if someone can see it immediately, if there's a hit to the head that bad and any bit of a stumble, I think it's it's concussion. You're just gone. I think they need to to come up with something because look, even I was watching him on, on the screen. I thought I obviously don't know. I'm not a doctor, but yeah. I thought his eyes looked a little bit glassy as well. Um, he obviously played away, but it wasn't one hit. It was two hits, and there were two pretty bad ones as well. And every when you're out there and you're a player, you obviously want to to play everything you can. I know that when I was uh, when I was playing myself you'd be saying sometimes oh I've pay- I, I got hit in my neck and but it, it but there's 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 technology there there's cameras there you know exactly where these people got hit and it's just to look after them we got to start looking after the players because it's, the game is getting more physical and physical and you'd hate for anything to be taken out of the game because we're not focusing on that area we were there was obviously uncertainty about this last night is there still uncertainty about what happened and well, and, and where we are with this whole thing it was interesting um, afterwards the, the Wallabies rolled Nick White out for interview in the mix zone which to me felt quite pointed because I'd imagine they probably realised that there was going to be a bit of heat coming on this um, and he spoke like you know as well as could be like he's, okay. he said that he wasn't concussed okay. you know he came off and he passed his test he felt fine he said he feels fine absolutely you know at the moment but Fiona is right the decision has to be taken out of the players' hands and to me, like I just, I don't think you have to be a doctor to say that that was a terrible look for rugby. I think what happened, I saw it happen at the time. Um, I could see him stumbling. Ben O'Keefe, I, I had the ref mic in my ear, and actually I was watching it back this morning. You can hear it on TV as well. Says he was stumbling. So like everyone saw it, and yeah, fair enough. You can different reasons you can stumble and it is hard to to pass these HIA tests like a couple of years ago the IRFU brought a few journalists in and you know they showed us what's involved in the process obviously without the the fact that you've got a bang in the head but there's a lot going on in them and they are tricky to pass so the HIA is just such a a grey area but it goes back to that kind of the old adage like if in doubt sit them out and while that kind of applies to underage rugby it should apply to the top level as well and like for any parents watching on and you see that like Fiona said he got two hits into the head and comes back on I just think is a really really bad look for, for a sport that it's already a, a burning issue and I, I've spoken to a couple of players I've done interviews over the last few weeks a guy like you know Rowan Osborne is a 25 year old who had to retire former Munster and Leinster scrum half at 25 due to repeated concussions and you know thankfully he's alright now but you see the stuff about Steve Thompson coming out and you see the testimonies of all these players and even I was I had an interview in the Irish Independent yesterday with Tom Court and we had a really good chat about it he had a couple of knocks but is thankfully like okay but he says like even looking back in his career now he could see guys suffering after effects of concussions becoming more introverted their personalities change and he says it's only when you're out of it you look in so if you don't listen to these guys stories like and, and actually like take lessons from it like I, I just don't know where the sport is going so um and I, what was a good night I just thought that that was a real black mark against it and we can all say we're not doctors and I'm absolutely not a doctor but you can't argue with what you, what you what you see in front of you and when you see a player stumble after taking two hits to the head he should not have come back on 
Fiona, on the whole, uh, being a good month and a good year, number one ranked team in the world, won down in New Zealand, beat the All Blacks, beat the world champions, beat Australia, and it's quite routine almost to beat Australia now. And it was something that I remember 20 years ago, we hadn't beaten Australia since 1979. So a lot to be thankful for and hopeful for going into the provincial run now. Yeah, I think so. And look, um, a lot of guys got, you know, that that high end kind of quality rugby being up at camp that that might have got game time, but they've been in that environment and they get to go back to their clubs and and, and bring that kind of intensity. And look, there's some huge games coming up. I think um, I think it was kind of, you know, we've we've talked a lot about the South African teams in the URC, but now we get to, to go into this Heineken Cup and see absolutely powerhouses of French teams and and the, the clubs, they go back to their clubs. They've, they've played in that intensity and I think they, they'll bring it and there's a lot of you know we've seen Ulster and Leinster especially have been playing some quality rugby but Connacht and Munster now have a chance to they've had a couple of weeks off um, Munster had that uh, win down in Porky Queef so I, I think they can, they can kind of reset from that and Connacht would be same their, their season has kind of been up and down so look based on the Irish performances and and how these guys have been managed uh, it'd be interesting to see um, who'll be in playing will they play the first time in cup games I, I imagine they will but if all the teams are fully loaded I think we'll see some cracking games before Christmas Keen Tracy you got the final word yeah look really successful year I think the fact that obviously the highlight was undoubtedly um, and I'm not biased because I was there but like the highlight was beating New Zealand in a three test series but the fact that they've beaten all three of the Southern Hemisphere big teams in the same calendar year is not to be sniffed at I think that South Africa game getting the monkey off the back you know like if they had lost that in similar circumstances we would have had the same old question that Ireland can't handle the physical teams I think in a way maybe it's no harm that they didn't hammer Australia out the gate last night because if they did, you know, number one ranked team in the world, people may get ahead of themselves, whereas a scrappy win and learning how to win ugly is no bad thing going forward. And it, it kind of keeps everyone, I think, feet on the ground a little bit. Fiona, thanks so much for your time. Speak soon. Cheers, lads. Thanks a million. Ian, thank you. Cheers, John. Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.